show is here. Yo, our mission is clear. It's time to change healthcare. Have no fear. Today is the day. This is the hour. Together, you know we've got the power. Drop the silos. We're all the same team. Patients, doctors, tech, and marketing. How can anyone be satisfied with the way things have always been? Yeah, we've tried. So join us now. Join the revolution. Digital health is the evolution. Status quo, more like status, no. Yeah, this is the healthcare rap. Y'all come on, let's go. Welcome to the Healthcare Wrap, where we are ushering in the future of healthcare and the status quo no longer exists. Where we are challenging assumptions about marketing and technology, and we check yesterday's thinking at the door. Where truth drops like an atom bomb, and knowledge flows like Niagara Falls. Each week we challenge assumptions that have been holding back healthcare marketing, and explain how we can do better. Join us. This is the Healthcare Wrap. Welcome to the Healthcare Wrap. I'm your host, Jared Johnson. I am joined by my co-host. Last episode, you learned his DJ name was Triple B. I'm joined by Mr. Peter Balistrieri. Peter, how are you doing today? Good, Jared. Nice to be with you today. How yeah. are you? I'm doing fantastic. I'm ready to do a little chatting, a little discussion again. Episode two, baby. Here we go. We made it past the first episode, yeah, so right. we're still on the air. Yeah. So we haven't been kicked off yet. Not yet. Coming at you in the ones and twos, as they say in that industry. But you know what? We got this. We got this. It, it feels that way. Sometimes it just, you can tell. Yeah. I think we're getting some traction here already. Yeah. Well, so I'm just going to quickly start here. I wanted just to jump in. You know, we, we talk about what we're going to talk about on this podcast. So, Jared, you sent me a, a little text and you said, here's what I'm thinking about for the next, next podcast. And I was like, this is awesome because now we're going to get into the meat of it. So last podcast, kind of a recap, we talked about, you know, kind of the sections of, the, of this podcast, kind of with that theme of old school rap funk. But now we're going to get into it. We're going to get into the meat. It's kind of like, you know, the first day of school is done. Now we're going to get into this. And we're going to talk about, you know, what is the marketer's role? And specifically, what is the healthcare marketer's role in this? And I love this because this is exactly kind of what I defines my career. But many of us didn't start as marketers, but we certainly are marketers now, right? We really are. I have a feeling just about everyone who's listening, uh, each one of you has a slightly different path to where you are now. And whether you were trained as a traditional marketer, Digital health and digital marketing really weren't a thing. They weren't even there. When I graduated. So we don't need to know what year that is. Well, I I don't care. I mean, (laughs) come on. This is my last month of my 30s. Like, it's no secret here. So it sounds old, but it doesn't feel old. I'm not going to say, well, you know what? I guess I will say. I'm older than you, but uh, I'm, I'm on the wrong side of 45. Let's just put it that way. But you're right. I didn't even know about social media at the point when I was when I was graduating college. And to embrace that as a tool now in terms of our new, you know, what, what's in our quiver is just amazing that, you know, we have these new things, new, and I put that in quote, air quotes, to use. And it's just this evolving and this evolution of what becomes a marketer. Healthcare marketers are a different breed because they came in probably as journalists, public relations professionals, maybe even branders or advertisers. And now they are, have this whole new skill set called marketing. I think the same kind of question that we let off with in the first episode was, why would people listen to us? I mean, first and foremost, I ask myself that all the time, Peter. (laughs) 
And I think, you know what, there really are just some conversations that need to keep happening. And maybe they've happened in pockets here and there, but we need to extend this conversation for the sake of our field, first and foremost. But for us to be able to see where marketing's headed, for us to see squarely in the future, five years, 10 years, even two to three years from now, so many changes are happening and so much has happened in the last few years that we want to be able to comfortably say, we know this is the direction things are headed. And so let's start taking some steps there. Maybe when we talk about what the role of the marketer is today, Peter, we can think about it in terms of how it has changed because probably everyone listening has their own thought on what it is. Man, even two years ago, it's different. So we just want to look at it through that lens of how it has changed. Right. And get away from water cooler talk into actually getting it out in the open now because it's a real thing. It's happening. And like you said, rapidly, even like you said, two years ago, just to think about where we were two years ago. So let's kick it back. What's our first section here that we're going to be doing? So we're going to get into our main segment here, which is rap battle. Rap battle! This is where we challenge an assumption that we feel like has been holding back healthcare marketing in one way or another. And so we just want to say, maybe that has been the status quo, but why would we challenge that and and how do we move on from it and, and change that? So the assumption that we're challenging today in our rap battle is that the marketer's greatest value, the role of the marketer, is really to manage advertising. As long as you optimize your advertising or you manage that relationship with an agency, that you as a marketer, you know, you've done your job. So, Peter, I'm turning you loose here. I'm I'm turning it over to you. What do you think? Uh, Well, nothing could be further from the truth. Again, I think that that probably happened maybe years ago, right? That we would kind of entrust our marketing or our advertising to an agency and kind of just, you know, give them the money and let them go. Well, that's unfortunately not going to fly in today's world of, of healthcare marketing. It is incumbent upon a healthcare marketing professional to understand the market and to understand their book of business. That's a term that will, I, at least I will be using quite a bit, is understanding what you're trying to market in terms of, especially if it's a center of excellence. As a healthcare marketer, you have to understand that book of business. So how do you do that? It is a matter of getting up out of your seat and actually walking down and meeting the service line providers, the doctors themselves, or the the service line professionals. In many cases, it can be a director, product line director, or a service line director. It's those people that can shed the light on who they're trying to reach. So you'll get the demographics, you'll get the goals, the, the needs, the strategies, all those things that you can compile into a strategic plan that gives you a direction so you're not just dumping money to an agency or you're not just putting out fires. That will not fly because you need a clear direction. So that conversation has to take place. So I think that's the first thing is understanding who you're trying to reach. Then the second part of knowing your book of business is understanding what you have to offer. So now you know your audience, hopefully, but then you have to have a knowledge of how what you're offering provides to those people, right? Is it a new procedure? Is it a new technology? Is it a new doctor? So now you've got knowledge of what's inside that center. Now you have knowledge of who you're trying to reach. And now, how do you get that word out to those people? So now you finally can think about the strategies or the the channel. Is it social media? Is it print? Is it billboards? Is it blogs? Is it more organic through, through public relations? Or is it a combination of all those, right? Now you have an actual direction and you can kind of 
plan out your year. So I, one other thing I wanted to add here is I got caught in this mode. Don't just do marketing around an observance, right? In healthcare, we love our observances, right? There's an observance for every single healthcare situation. I would say that you can go hard during that observance, but remember, it's a year. Year, right you have a full year of time you know if it's epilepsy month in November sure great hit it hard in November but right epilepsy still happens the other 11 months out of the year so don't just be there for those people at that one point in time so I think just quick overview that's the world that is changing for healthcare communicators and marketers is to actually you have to do some research so that's kind of my quick thought on it but actually it wasn't quick it was a lot but that's my first thoughts on it I can tell that there is more to this than a media calendar ad buying. It sounds like not quite as much fun as just posting things on Facebook all the time. No, not not at all. A couple examples, I think, um, that are in my latest world. Creating heat maps. Finding out, in particular, where you're getting the most business from. A good example is, like, is for trauma. Okay, where is the most trauma coming from? You know, in terms of zip codes, where are you seeing the most business coming in from? Then you can start overlaying, okay, what level of acuity are these cases coming in? Acuity means the severity of the injury. Because it comes down to all those things that have to be taken into consideration. And then on top of that, what are the ages? You know, then the demographics, things like that. Because that all makes that heat map. Now you have an opportunity to determine what your messaging is based on all of this information and when you go to, to market with. So that was an example. Another example I'll give is around something that I did for epilepsy. When we do a, something on epilepsy month in November, when can you see the outcomes of all of your efforts that you, you blitzed it hard in that epilepsy awareness month? I went and actually talked to the division chief. So this is that idea of walking over and having that conversation. He said, well, since I'm doing the surgery, I'm downstream. I won't see your efforts until probably a good, probably six months afterwards. Well, why is that? I said, well, he said, you have to fail two medications to, to be a candidate for epilepsy surgery and his referrals. And so what it is, is what I'm getting at is talk with these professionals because you can go down a path and think, oh, I'll see something in a month. You know, after I blitzed it hard, I spent all this money or I did all these kinds of things and you expect to see, you know, instant change. And because of the nature of healthcare, you won't see it for three to six months maybe. You have to understand these things, and again, it's talking with these professionals, it's talking with these doctors, so that you can provide back to your boss insight so that he understands, you understand your book of business. And, and of course, you're not coming up and you're giving him some ex false expectations. Like, I did all this work in November and I should see something in December or January. No, you're not gonna see it until July or August, actually. That brings up a couple of things. I mean, it's a, it's a fascinating example because you really think, hey, you know what? I'm ready to provide this additional business value to you. It does involve the type of marketing that I'm used to, and it's either free or paid or earned or owned, you know, like the, all the different types of media. One, how do we see ourselves? Because if we're talking about changing the status quo, then there's always going to be pain involved because it means changing. It means there's been some inertia, like there's been either some resistance to change in the past or for whatever reason, we just haven't seen the need for it. Well, so the need is there because the business itself has changed. Those needs have changed. So there's going to be some pain involved here. It can be easy to feel overwhelmed just thinking about, man, you just gave me like 12 other things to focus on besides the actual deliverables of a marketing campaign or effort. And yeah, that, that is reality. So how do we see ourselves? Because there has to be some change, not just with marketing, but with those around us. The other teams, if you don't have that relationship with the practice manager, like you were speaking of, 
or the surgeon or their admin, others on their team who support them, who provide you the business figures, the data to overlay on a heat map, like you're saying in that example. If you don't have those relationships there, then it doesn't matter how good you are at marketing right. because you're not going to be able to get even the data that you need to make those strategic decisions. So I feel like going down this road of seeing ourselves in a bigger light, the role of the marketer when you get down to it is an agent of change internally within our organizations. So do we see ourselves as the type of agent of change that we can slowly, gradually, I mean, a big ship is hard to turn, but can we start to turn it a direction by thinking of ourselves differently? So that was the first thing that came to mind. And the second one was the idea of convergence. The examples you just gave, Peter, some of those, just a few of the things you talked about involved analytics, involved customer service, it involved strategic business. And we all do have those new expectations laid on us as marketers. Those are often the types of comments, feedback we receive from others in the organization in the hospital, in the health system, wherever we are, we're expected to do all these things and we can either get in a rut and feel overwhelmed or we can recognize that this is the new reality. We are converging with other areas within our organization. And unfortunately, that can kind of lead to some pressure to become the best in class in every class. I mean, you think about like, we're expected to have a website that is as quick and easy as Amazon. We're expected to have a customer service level that's the same as Zappos. We're expected to have a Twitter following like a Kardashian, you know, and we're supposed to have this frictionless user experience. We're expected to be the best in every class. I don't know any other field that people just randomly will send you a link and say, hey, here's an example of something like this that's better than us that I saw from my friend. You know, their Facebook does this better. Their Instagram does this better. Their website does this better. That can lead to some pressure here. So I'm curious, like, how do you mitigate that? How do you keep from being overwhelmed and yet still make some change and some progress in some of these new roles? Right, there is one area where you can harken back a little bit into your old school ways and your old world is back to this idea of, okay, so you meet with these program managers and directors and and surgeons, all those people that can give you all that great information, but how do you turn that into something digestible by the general public or by the target markets that you're hitting, which oftentimes will not have that level of understanding that you have just been fed by taking your drive or your walk down to meeting those people in the hospital or throughout the campus. You have to as a marketer now, be comfortable with data because ultimately the content that you're going to produce has to go to the right people. But as I said, rewinding a little bit, you can use your old school skills of being an advertiser, a writer, a PR person because you're going to have to take that information that those health professionals have given you and laymanize it into something that is understandable, believable, hits the heartstrings, but also it gives the right information to answer your question, to come back full circle. All those you know, sites, the Zappos's, the Kardashians, the Amazons, the things that we all use day in and day out because they're easy, they expect that from a health system now because the landscape has been flattened in terms of technology and ease of use when you're on digital properties. So they're like, why can't you as a health system or a hospital do the same thing that Amazon's doing. Why can't I get my MRI, you know, for 50% off or whatever it happens to be, right? <laughs> so we're in this world now where it's flattened and you have to be able to, first of all, make them understand, but make their user experience seamless, like you were saying. And I think the hardest part about that is to let them know that we're doing the best that we can. It's not an easy thing to do. It really isn't to take terminology and laymanize it, but also to get it to the right people. It's still not an exact science. It's ever-changing, right? I mean, you know that, right? Where Facebook's constantly changing its algorithms and pay model for doing campaigns on LinkedIn or Twitter is constantly changing. So this is a world that you have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable. I guess that's the best way that I can say it. And then 
People now are finding health information on their own. They are not afraid to get second opinions. People are comfortable with that now. They are comfortable with doing health research outside of going to actual doctors and hospitals. So if you're not in those spaces, then how can you sell your services? And if you're gonna be in those spaces, let's be factual, let's be real, let's be transparent, and let's be in the right places as a health system so that when they are searching, you come up, right? So that's kind of my, my long-winded answer to that question. Well, you know, that idea of getting comfortable with analytics, getting comfortable with data, I think is the way you said it. That's something we might have to unpack a little bit more, like in, an, I don't know, in another episode or something. I do want to say I was the most uncomfortable getting comfortable with data. I am a completely right-brained person. Content is huge for me. I'm looking forward to doing these podcasts with you, Jared, because your department is probably evolving, where you'll have a group of people that were the old school guard, the old guard about the, the writers and the PR people and things like that. But you may be transforming your department. You may have a group of folks that have come in from IT that now have kind of like wedged themselves into your department because you're being asked to be a marketer now. That's actually how Jared and I met. Jared is in, in the marketing department, but he is a data miner. He's a data guy. And so this is what's great about this podcast is you have an old school content guy and you have a new school data guy. I never thought I would have to get comfortable with this. So I hope that you join us on this journey and this podcast because you're going to hear some amazing things. You're going to hear what we went through and you're going to be like, I think you're going to be nodding your head like, yes, yes, that happened to me too. And we encourage you to contact us. Give us ideas for things that, that you've gone through because probably no doubt we've gone through it or we're going to go through it. So we're always looking for content, right? And we have a website. We have a website, right? Healthcarewrap.com. I knew it. See, see how we did that? <laughs> look at that. Look at that. I think there's a lot of great things that we can talk about in future episodes too, but I, I'm excited about it because, again, it's just ever-changing. And it is quite a journey. It can make you feel overwhelmed, but it's not something that does happen overnight. But that doesn't mean you don't start taking those steps. And that's what we want to talk about in, in the future episodes is which step do I take next and how do I do that? So we don't want to leave you guys with only more questions. We want to provide some possible answers for those based on some things that we've gone through. So there we go. We have just done some rap battle on, on that assumption. Kind of open my eyes just to some real world examples here. So we're going to move right along to our next segment, which today we're going to try for the second time, which is called our freestyle segment. segment is an attempt for us just to take a couple of minutes from a different point of view. The goal from this is to develop empathy for other points of view that are involved in our worlds. If that's not clear, that means that sometimes we really do have to think about things from other people's perspectives, and that's often one of the quickest ways to pivot the way we are approaching things and not get so frustrated or overwhelmed. So we're going to take two minutes each. We have not rehearsed these. What are we talking about? We haven't rehearsed much at all yet today. <laughs> so we're going to try this at two minutes each. We'll be on the clock. And what we don't know is which perspective we are going to take on the topic of what's the marketer's role. So Peter and I randomly select here. It can be one of a few different things. And let's see. I think I'll try this for Peter. Let's see. You've got, uh, you've got the practice manager. Oh, oh my gosh. Oh, okay, what's the marketer's role for the practice manager? So we're going to give you two minutes and we start now. Okay, so the practice manager has a ton of work. This is a tough job. I give 
as much credit as possible to the practice managers out there because they are responsible for the business and they are also responsible for working with a marketer to help their business. So from the practice manager standpoint, does the marketer that he or she is working with understand, again, here we go, that book of business. They have to be able to reiterate what is the needs for their particular department or center of excellence from a business standpoint, right? So a lot of times a practice manager say, well, I don't have that marketing background, so I'll just leave that up to you. I think that the practice manager needs to work hand in hand with a marketer. But what also is important is the practice manager has to understand where the marketer is coming from too. So when a marketer says, now that you've given me your goals and and strategies, here's my plan, the practice manager can't just be like, okay, yeah, just do whatever you need to do. They have to support that. So they have to talk to the doctors. They have to be almost kind of your buffer to the division chiefs and so that they can kind of soften or socialize the marketer's plan. They are literally a hand-in-hand effort. And so that's kind of where I'm thinking that a practice manager's thought process is on what a marketer is. And I think if I can leave you with one thing on that is if you are a marketer in healthcare, you must make the practice manager your best friend. That's my last thought on that. It is so crucial to your success. It really is. It has to be. I think you did some pretty good empathizing there, Peter. You're able to kind of put yourself in some shoes that I don't know if a lot of marketers really do that as much. So just thinking about it in that much depth, instead of thinking, oh my gosh, that's the person that just never gets back to me about content or whatever stuff, which we would never think that way. We would never do that. Of course not. So yeah. All right. So I'm going to try this for two minutes and my point of view is going to be, let's see, what do we come up with? What do you got here? Hold on. Let me, let me pull something out of here. Okay. Oh. It's legal and risk management. Oh, man. Oh. All right. We got the clock. Okay. Two minutes. Drop it. Here we go. All right. Legal and risk management. So from their standpoint, their job is to mitigate risk. It goes without saying, but there are more risks than ever coming from a long period of, oh, now there's a new social network and now we have to either lock this down until we understand it or we have to wait until the FDA tells us what we can say. We've had basically people fall on one or two sides of those debates. From the legal department's standpoint, it's their job to say, hey, this either puts us at risk or it doesn't. And, you know, I'm sorry if that hampers your marketing strategy, but really we feel like that crosses a line. So we've probably all had experiences, hopefully on both sides of this line. But from their standpoint, you can think random example of somebody, you know, has come to the risk management team and has said, oh, hey, we want to periscope a live surgery. We want to live stream this. Can't imagine anywhere where that's happened, right? Yeah, but, live uh, tweeting a surgery. Yeah, yeah, live tweeting it, live streaming it. What's the first thought that comes to mind? Why aren't more hospitals doing this now? Well, because it is risky. Like, marketers, like, we got to admit, it is risky. So we have to be prepared. We have to accept that sometimes that answer is that feels too risky for us. And the best thing that the marketer can do in that case is come prepared with either some data, case study, some industry research that does show, hey, well, so-and-so is doing it, so-and-so has done it, and we've talked with them, and they've filled out this way. So I don't feel like it's an, uh, a gap that we can't overcome, but it's something that we have to think about continually in our efforts that that perspective from legal and risk management is there for a reason. So we do have to honor that and at the same time challenge it at the right times because if we didn't, then none of us would even be on the web. Right. I love this topic and I think this could be a whole nother episode and I hope we do because I've learned so much from the risk and compliance folks 
in my previous life as well. So I think you're right. It's come prepared, but it's also not to do something for something's sake, right? It's not a PR stunt. I go back to what I said in the beginning of this is know your book of business. Would a live surgery on Facebook, a Periscope, a live Twitter surgery, would that drive up consults? Would that drive up surgeries. What is the business outcome of that? Because to do it, just to do it, I think you're gonna get in some hot water. And frankly, that will not make you many friends in risk and compliance. It's another group of people, as a marketer, that you wanna have in your corner. Because when the time comes, and you've shown that you've had a strategy, and you've shown that you've taken the steps to you know, have a plan B in case something would happen, a patient would code, or whatever it happens to be, now you showed that you've thought through from A to Z, what the situation is, and made them more comfortable with it. And when they're comfortable, they're more willing to be like, okay, I see where you're going with this. I see why the risks are being taken. And rather than just kind of throwing them a piece of paper or just saying, hey, I want to live tweet this surgery and I actually I want to be the one holding the scalpel or whatever happens to be. It's all about preparation, really. Well, man, I think we've gone through a few different points of view here and hopefully we've given everyone a little bit to think about. I know you've given me a lot to think about, Peter, about just uh, who we really need to build those relationships with and why. And so great discussion today. Uh, we want to remind everyone to Please, please engage with us on healthcarewrap.com and come find us there. Come find us on LinkedIn, on Twitter, and uh, let's start and keep this conversation going. On behalf of Peter B, Triple B himself, uh, and myself, I'm Jared Johnson, and we are your hosts of Healthcare Wrap, and we'll talk to you next time. See ya.